0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Old Men Know Stuff. Here's your host, Dan Witham. Hey everybody, welcome again to another episode of our Old Men Know Stuff podcast. This is episode 36. If you're keeping score and I want to uh, welcome, we want to welcome, I have my lovely and talented wife with me. This is Sheila Witham.
1: I'm glad to be with you today.
0: And I want to. We want to welcome all of our regular um, listeners on the podcast or our viewers on our Old Men No Stuff YouTube channel. And today, I firmly believe that uh, on this Old Men No Stuff podcast, um, honey, we're going to be able to help somebody.
1: Absolutely, that's that's certainly our goal. Uh,
0: the title of this is uh, episode thirty-six. Creating me a clean heart. Uh, has its foundation in the infamous song Psalm 51 uh, by David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he wrote it after this, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, we'll come back to Psalm 51. Sheila's going to be reading in just a second. But over in 2 Samuel, this is the backstory of why David had to write this, uh, basically, his sinner's prayer. And we include it in Psalm 51. Uh, 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. I want to paraphrase them real quick for time. Uh, Chapter 11, David's now king. He's large and in charge. Uh, 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 He's seen uh, Bathsheba uh, on a rooftop nearby and bathing at evening. Bathsheba was not his wife. And nothing good, I want to remind you, happens after dark. Nothing good happens after dark. Can you...
1: Well, maybe after 11 p.m. or 2 a.m. I don't
0: know. Whatever you say. Just agree (laughs) with me.
1: Yes,
0: dear. Just agree with me. Anyway, uh, he sees her uh, on a rooftop bathing in the evening, and he sends his uh, messengers to go get her. Uh, This is sin number one of four, and he commits adultery with Bathsheba, not his wife, and she's with child. Um, uh, Sin number two, She's with child in adultery, and he plots to get rid of Uriah, uh, Bathsheba's husband, who happens to be in uh, David's army, Uh, Bathsheba's husband. The plot fails. Um, He then gets uh, Uriah drunk, uh, sin number three. And sin four, he tells his army to—remember, he's he's trying to hide his tracks— uh, sin does that. You have to do more than one, usually, to cover your tracks. In Sin 4, he tells his army to send Uriah uh, to the hottest battle in, uh, in the field so that Uriah will be killed, uh, and Uriah does die. Bathsheba mourns for Uriah dying, but David takes her for a wife. But, and then, guess what happens? What
1: happens? You're, you're, about, you're about to find out.
0: Okay. Uh, this plot displeased the Lord, as we can imagine. He sends his prophet Nathan in chapter twelve of Second Samuel. His prophet Nathan to David. When a prophet shows up, it's not a good sign. Nathan gives David a parable of a rich man and a poor man. The rich man has buku amounts of lambs big herd. The poor man has only one lamb. The rich man kills the poor man's one lamb and uh, takes what didn't belong to him. David says to Nathan, David, King David says to Nathan, what a jerk this uh, rich man was to take the poor man's uh, belongings. And uh, who is this rich man? And then Nathan, the prophet says to David, you the man, you the man, you're the man. And uh, David goes, yikes. Nathan tells David the words, God anointed you king. Keep in mind, we're going to get to what David, how David responded to this situation. God's anointed you king, David. He delivered you from 21 attempts by Saul to kill you. And on top of that, uh, God would have given you such and such more things if you would have asked. But what you've done in secret, it's going to be told to all of Israel. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, we, we can't sin in secret and we can't sin just unto ourselves.
0: David confesses right away. Um, usually what happens when God points out your sin Uh, especially through a prophet. David confesses right away, I've sinned. And then Nathan, the prophet says, the Lord has put away your sin. So turn with me in Psalm 51. This is where I wanted to go, where David writes about his repentance for all of us to have through all eternity for all like situations. And as we head into holy season leading up to Good Friday and Easter. I felt this was important to approach uh, those those holy the Holy Week with a cl- with a clean, clean heart. Uh, Sheila, you want to read Psalm fifty one, uh, starting with verses one and two?
1: Sure. Have mercy upon Hold me. Up.
0: A- Keep in mind, this is David speaking, uh, a prayer, a sinner's prayer, if you will, but a prayer on the heels of confessing his sin uh, from Second First Second Samuel. Go ahead.
1: I think that, you know, what's important to note, too, is you can, you can feel his heart in this. I mean, he was, he was desperate. It's not just some casual. It's, you know, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin.
0: In other words, forgive me. Please forgive me, please, God. And uh, we're going to talk about this in just a bit more. Go ahead.
1: For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil thing in your sight.
0: So David was confessing his sin. And then in verse four, uh, against you and you only I've sinned and done this evil in your sight confesses uh, uh, the Lord's, uh, the Lordship. David is saying, you're the Lord, and I'm bowing to your Lordship. Go ahead and Uh read seven, honey.
1: Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow.
0: Hold on there. So David is saying what he knew best in Israel at that time was that all sin had to be purged with hyssop and... uh, Uh, cleansed, uh, to be accepted as a sacrifice. And that was accomplished not in in David's life with the blood of bulls and goats, but Hebrews reminds us that now it's accomplished through the blood sacrifice on the cross of Jesus Christ. His atoning blood uh, is um, brushed onto our hearts and our lives. Go ahead with verse uh, 7.
1: Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me.
0: So it must be possible that God can create a clean heart uh, in us uh, and eradicate uh, sin.
1: Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me.
0: Wow. Do not, t- do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not cast me away from your presence. So David and Sheila... David, King David, a man after God's own heart, who's repented. Do you think in, in these verses, this gets a little religious here, do you think that David was concerned about uh, losing the Holy Spirit?
1: Yeah, I do. And I, I think, um, or he's saying create a steadfast spirit in me. And I'm like, steadfast? I was, you know, looked that up and like, what is... You know, he's praying for a steadfast spirit so I don't do this again. So, what does steadfast mean? It means, you know, immovable, unshakable, loyal. So, he's asking God to give him a steadfast spirit. And I, I think that's important because it shows that he is a man after God's own heart and his ultimate desire um, is to please God.
0: He's, he also says, Restore unto me the joy. Of salvation.
1: The joy of my salvation. Restore means make new.
0: Make new. Um, So David was praying after what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. David was saying, God, please create in me a clean heart, David prayed. It's a nice story, but what does that have to do with me, you might say. Well, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says... Hey, human race, Billy Bob, Susie Q, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But all Susie Q, Billy Bob can be justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that comes through the cross of Christ. You want to add anything there?
1: Well, I think it just goes back to, you know, what we've said in several podcasts lately is there's nothing you can do. I mean, so like David is king. He, you know, was looking at what he shouldn't have been looking at. He commits adultery. He kills someone. I mean, he's plotted. You know, like he was not a nice guy at that point.
0: Have you ever done anything that bad?
1: No, I can say I've never, I've never committed adultery or plotted to kill someone, or so, you know. So
0: my point in asking that is, so God must be able through the blood of Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross, as we approach Holy Week, He must be able to uh, save. Uh, small sin and big sin.
1: Absolutely. And
0: everything in between.
1: And everything in between. So it doesn't matter what anyone has done. You know, this is an example of God, you know, forgiving and restoring and renewing, um, no matter what the situation is, as long as we seek Him with our whole heart.
0: Amen. So how do you forgive yourself? Let's go through a few ways. How do you forgive yourself? Well, first of all, you're not some super sinner, as I just said. You confess uh, your sin.
1: So what you're talking about, so God's forgiven, forgiven David, forgiven us. Now you're talking about an individual forgiving yeah, how do you forgive?
0: how do you forgive yourself? Yeah. You confess that sin, you repent of it, mm-hmm. and then you accept what Jesus did on that old rugged cross when he died. You honestly confess your specific sin, no skirting around it. What's a specific sin? You reaffirm Uh, your faith on God's promise of forgiveness. And then you release yourself. This is probably hard for man because this is tangible to release yourself from all past guilt.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that is the that is the key, I think, is God easily forgives when we repent. But oftentimes it's very hard for us to forgive ourselves because we see you know, maybe on a daily basis, sometime the impact that our sin has had on other people. and
0: Did you read my notes? I'm about to cover that. Oh, I did.
1: I did. Go ahead.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> why do we find it hard to forgive ourselves, as Sheila was just saying? Mm-hmm. It's our lack of understanding the acceptance by God, our lack of understanding by uh, our acceptance by God of our confession and repentance, like David our sin, and we do that in error, we don't believe in essence that God will forgive me. I'm somewhere outside of his framework of little to large. That's not the case, except one, the unpardonable sin of attributing the Holy Spirit to the devil, and you didn't do that likely. So uh, number one is our lack of understanding the acceptance by God of our confession and repentance. Number two, our self-disappointment in ourselves. It's likely there, the devil makes sure that it is, and uh, you can't disappoint God. Watch this, he sees your life from A to Z. Mm-hmm. He sees your life from A to Z. But the consequences, as Sheol just said, of our sin does affect others. Um, obviously it did in the life of David, his, uh, his first son uh, with, uh, uh, went on to die. Um, because of his sin, i'm not saying that's the case in all everyone, but that's what happened with David. uh the consequences of our sin affects others, yes, and those pricks uh Paul found out i'm finding out are hard to remove sometimes those those pricks of of remembrance of the sins effects in in, in others' lives they're hard to remove. So what are the some effects of not forgiving ourselves? Do you know any effects of not forgiving ourselves? Well, I
1: think there's a lot of them, but I was just thinking, you know, the the enemy, it's just a it's it's another tactic of the enemy to keep whispering in your ear or putting things in front of you, reminding you of your sins so you can't forgive yourself. You just, you know, you just can't receive that or he just stays in your head. But I thought, you know what? That is just like the enemy because he doesn't care about us, but he does care about our impactfulness and effectiveness in our life and for the kingdom. So if he can keep you from forgiving yourself and moving on, there's no way you can have an impactful, effective life if you can't forgive yourself. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's just even more reason for us to recognize that and go, oh, no, no, enemy, you're not, you know, you're not having this control over me. I am forgiving myself because I know who I am in the Lord and I know the plans and purposes that he has for me. And I'm not going to let you prevent that.
0: Preach it, sister. (laughs) So, some of the effects of not forgiving ourselves, what are some of the effects of not forgiving ourselves? We feel ashamed. We feel unworthy, I am forgiven, I know, but here comes the enemy. We have low lower self esteem because it sin damages our self worth as a human being. Look what I once did as it comes back up in our re- remembrance, but to God it's remembered no more. He sees our sin that's confessed and repented through the blood of christ uh deposited, watch this, I'm going to get a little spiritual here, inside the holy place in his temple, the blood of Christ has been deposited on the mercy seat. God sees your sin through the mercy seat, through the blood of his son, and you can't beat that.
1: Which means he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of his son.
0: Correct. So often our sin, uh, when we're not forgiving, forgiving ourselves, Uh, We do uh, excessive compulsive behavior. We try to pay off a sin debt that we no longer owe.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I want you to read uh, Psalm 51, verse 17 here as we get ready to close from David's original sinner's prayer of Psalm 51.
1: The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise.
0: So... Um, God's asking for and receiving a broken spirit, which David obviously has after his sin and the prophet Nathan coming to him, of a broken spirit and a, cross, uh, a contrite heart, a bruised spirit, a crushed spirit, a humble spirit um, that has been sacrificed to God. He accepts, he accepts with arms wide open, and uh, we invite you uh, to now approach him as we approach Holy Week uh, in a couple weeks uh, uh, with a clean heart. I want to assure you of that out of...
1: Uh, Can I jump in there just yeah, for a minute? go ahead. Just from a... I was just thinking about broken spirit, contrite heart. Like, what, what does that really mean in everyday life from a practical standpoint? And I thought, you know what it really means is just surrendering our lives to God and and letting before we make any decision, you know basically God weighs in on it, you know, whether it's a career decision or um, any any decision. So you seek God in every situation. So that you're doing things you're saying basically, you know God, i'm not going to do things my way anymore i'm going right. to do things your way,
0: yeah, you're yielding to the holy spirit and
1: and that's what that really means on a on a practical level,
0: amen, so I wanted to read uh, uh the assurance that you come to God with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, as Sheila just described uh, Jesus covers that in John chapter six verse thirty seven he says All that the Father has given me shall come to me. God has stirred that spirit in us, that broken spirit, contrite heart, and we are to come to Jesus uh, and his redemption on the cross. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Uh, That's pretty good self-assurance from the Lord Jesus Christ that if the Father stirred your hearts to come unto him, Uh, And you've created a clean heart through your confession and repentance that he will in no wise cast out. Sheila, I want to pray as we head into the holy season uh, uh, coming up uh, of prayer, fasting and repentance that he will in no wise cast people out. We we have that assurance and certainty. And I want them to understand that. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Sheila and I agree in prayer that your word will not return void. We know that it won't, and that uh, your blood covers all sin uh, that is confessed and repented, small to great. It's all the same to him, uh, and your blood has been applied on the mercy seat for those with a broken spirit and a contrite heart to know with uh, assurance that he will in no wise cast you out. I want to play this song as we go off the air shield. I'm going to surprise you uh the song the title of this pro- episode 36 is called creating me a clean heart and it was uh it comes from uh a brother in the late 70s uh who's probably had as much impact on my life outside the bible as anybody and anything he was uh, a great psalmist ahead of his time he came out through the jesus revolution of the early 70s on the west coast And he wrote this song, and uh, I want to go off the air with it, called uh, uh, Keith Green, singing Create in Me a Clean Heart.
2: New right spirit me.
0: Watch, watch this. Me from presence, oh he won't.
2: Enjoy thy salvation.
0: He's able. He's able. The right right so David prayed it in Psalm 51. Keith put it into his beautiful song, Created Me a Clean Heart. And that's our prayer, showing our prayer on this episode of Old Men Know Stuff, that he may create a clean heart in you to be all that you can be. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Old Men Know Stuff. For more information, go to oldmennostuff.com.